Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Joe McCall here, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. We're going to be in a really good episode today talking about land investing, one of my favorite topics. And I'm excited to talk to two guys, Justin and Adam, who have been doing it for a long time. I've probably interviewed everybody in the space that it has a podcast or does videos or teaches about land investing. Also, a couple of guys that just do it and don't teach it. I love in land investing. It's something that my boys and I have been doing for a few years now, two or three years. I'd say over the last two or three years, we've probably flipped about 35 vacant lots in North Carolina, in Texas, Washington, and Oregon, and Colorado, and even one or two in uh, California, in Riverside County, believe it or not. But anyway, it's a cool business. And my I, I like it because my boys who's, who are teenagers can do it. And sometimes, you know, like when you're dealing with a house, there's just a, there's some more complexity to it. Like land has its own complexity, but with houses, I didn't know if I could trust my 13, 14 year old boys to kind of negotiate with sellers. But with land, you, you don't even talk to sellers until after they accept your offer, which is crazy. So anyway, we're going to be talking about land investing with Adam and Justin from the Casual Fridays REI podcast. Um, so I'm excited about that. But first, a couple things real quick here. This podcast is brought to you by my book. Some of you guys don't have this. I've had this out for, I don't know, about a year or so, but it's called REI Secrets. If you've not heard of this book, you need to get it. It's like a legit book, right? And it's got not like 20 point size font, but it's a real book. And the way I wrote this, I just wanted to do it as like a kind of like a devotional for real estate investors, where it gives you daily nuggets of real estate investing wisdom, where it help you, you know, get more leads, close more deals, make more money. And basically what I've done is I've taken some of my best podcasts that I did while I was driving around in my car, turned them into blog posts, and then edited them for a book. And you can get this book for free at reisecrets.com, reisecrets.com. All I ask is you pay a little bit, seven bucks, I think, for shipping and handling and get it out to you. But it's a real good book. Somebody told me once, I think he was maybe uh, had a little too many beers, but he said this was the uh, tool of titans for real estate investors. And I, I was I was pleasantly uh, pleased and surprised to hear that. If you've heard of that book, that's from Tim Ferriss. Okay, so we're broadcasting this live right now on YouTube and Facebook. So if you are listening to this or watching this live right now, uh, please do me a favor and say hello. Tell us where you're from. Comment down below this video, either in Facebook or YouTube, and just say hi. And if you have a question about land investing, well, this is a place to ask it. Ask the question right now in the comments below for Adam and Justin, and uh, I'll ask them. I'll bring up your questions, and we'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. Cool. Are we ready to bring them on? Guys, here's Justin Silva and Adam Southey. How are you guys? Good, good. How's it going, Joe? Awesome. You guys can hear me all right? Yes, sir. Nice. Glad to have you guys on the show. I've been uh, listening to your podcast off and on for the, gosh, how long have you been doing it? Over a year, a couple of years, years, maybe? Two years. Yeah. Yeah. It's called the Casual Fridays REI Podcast. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Did you change the name or is it still called that? It's always been called that. It's always been. We used to be three days a week. We've just now switched to Fridays only. So we're 320 something episodes in. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you guys. That's awesome. Um, I finally feel like we made it though, because we're on the Joe McCall show. (laughs) I've been been listening to you for so long. You're like one of the first ones that that I ever listened to. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So you guys got a good show. I encourage you, anybody listening to this to go check them out. It's just called Casual Fridays REI Podcast. And you got some flip flops. 
on the logo of the podcast. Do you still yes. have that? That's right. Yeah. I love flip-flops. I'm wearing them right now. I actually <laughs> wearing flip-flops right now. You guys are in Texas, right? We are. Tell us a little bit about how you guys got started. You know, have you always been friends? Did you become friends after you kind of found you're both interested in real estate? Yeah, we've been friends for over 20 years. Went to high school together. Wow, really? Um, yeah, well, I mean, we were friends in high school, but then even though when people graduate and they go their separate ways, like Justin and I still kind of worked across the street from each okay. other mm-hmm. at two different jobs. I worked at Subway, worked at Winn-Dixie, and then he worked at Ice Skating Rink, and I worked for the police department. And mm-hmm. while everyone else is kind of doing their own things, like we were still hanging out, and we just kind of been friends ever since. Okay, very cool. And yeah, what got cool. you then interested in real estate? And did you start yes, with he's, he's being light on the, how the, the real estate game got started for us when we had an Amazon company together. It was fulfillment by Amazon, the side hustles that everybody get into, yeah. you know, you hear across the, the podcast fears. And uh, we had a really big sell on one of our items and Tiger Woods Foundation came in and bought it. And Adam had been a real estate agent and worked in real estate, had been as an investor early on through college. And I went through the corporate ladder at the railroad and just kind of ran that route. And we had this business together and he's like, hey, man, I want to get back into real estate investment. I heard about buying land and I want to liquidate the rest of our Amazon stuff so I can do this. I'm like, great, we're getting into real estate. And he's like, no, I think I'm gonna do it by myself. And so I said, okay. He goes, but you can do it too. We just won't, we'll have separate companies. We'll just talk about it and do it together. And it's not a bad idea, right? No, no. 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 So he sent out some mail and I'm, I'm working in corporate America and he get, he sends out a bunch of offers for like 500 bucks for five acres and he's getting them back. And I'm like, holy crap, this thing really works. I will buy every five acre property you can get for $500. And then it just kind of went from there and we just snowballed it up. How long ago was that? That was in April of 15 or 16. 16. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did my first mailing and they came back the first three deals two and a half acre parcels, but I was getting these five acres. I was getting one acre. I was getting all this stuff back. And this is right after he loves to tell that story too. Like I just intentionally <laughs> kicked him out. Yeah. He know? didn't want to be with me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's when we, he really dove into it at that point too. And then we just kind of took off and grew. When you guys do your podcast, I'm just curious, do you do it in the same format? You guys are in the same room or do you do it? Yeah. Except we're sitting on opposite, opposite sides side of the table. We're facing each right. other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So where, where in Texas are you? Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Yep. I was just doing a uh, coaching call, uh, doing teaching some marketing, and a realtor was from Fort Worth on the call. And I did some marketing for him for houses and uh, got him some really, really good leads. Dallas is a great market. Yep. But you guys uh, handle the, you guys got out of the whole winter storm. Chaos. We were both both really lucky. Neither one of us lost electricity. I didn't lose water. Justin lost like in one sink, I think. Yeah, one sink in a bathtub. We lost some water. So we were. I my family moved into my house for the week, and all his neighbors were at his house for the week, and somehow we skated through it and didn't lose power. Nope. Nope. Wow. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. We were really lucky comparatively to a lot of people in our area. Um, We had friends' houses burned down. You know, we had friends that had a lot worse than us, and so we just, I think, both of us just tried to help where we could throughout that. Wow. Can you believe it? I mean, is this, this kind of relates to what I want to talk about, you know, this whole idea of being prepared, you know, being in a place where something bad happens, or if, you know, depending on where you are in the political aisle, if a certain president comes to take away all your guns in case you have any guns, where are you going to go? (laughs) Where are you going to hide them? Or, I mean, in all seriousness, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be funny and I'm probably not, but like, you know, what if uh, you had a huge storm that came through Iowa? This happened earlier or late last year in Iowa. Do you guys remember that? They called it derecho or something like that. Yep. Just devastated half of the state. People were without power for weeks, without water. Like, you know, one of the things that we need to be thinking about is if this happens to us, what are we going to do? If I lose my house, 
if I need to just get away? Do I have a place, a piece of land that I can go to? I, I know a lot more people are thinking about this right now. Would you agree? I would say that is a, I mean, that is a very strong uh, thought on a lot of people's. I mean, just in our experience through COVID, through this 2020 and continuing on now through 21, land is hotter than it's ever been. I mean, I've been in real estate, this is my 16th year. I've never seen anything like this. And yeah. so we saw land go into bidding wars. We saw land sell the day it was on the market. Land.com reported that the traffic to their website is like 10 times higher than it's ever been in the entire company history. Yeah. Wow. So, and that's not slowing down anytime soon, I, I would think. I don't think so. No, it, it doesn't look like that. It's it's crazy to think. And you asked a question about being being prepared, but a lot of the stuff that we sell is off-grid or it's, it's kind of that survivor type, like where are we going to go and kind of bug out to? Yeah. And we had a, we actually had that show last week. Do you really know the little things, intricacies that you need to be off grid? Do you have a generator? Do you have solar? Do you have firewood that's dry? You know, there's just basic things like that, that we take for granted in our day-to-day life that we don't see. Yeah, man, that's a whole another topic in and of itself. And that could be, there's some people that go overboard with the whole survival prepping (laughs) thing, you know, right? Yeah, but yeah. I tell you what, if you are if you're in the business of selling rural vacant land, mm-hmm. there's a huge demand for vacant land right now. You know, people yeah. aren't um, they're look they're just looking for something out an hour two hours away, right? Some place where they can go, and, and the more off the grid, the better. Sometimes, yep. yeah. One of my neighbors a pilot, and they are dead set on having something within a tank of gas drive that they can bury a container and have everything they need. He's been in the air force and he flies privately now, but that's like, he's on me. Every time I get a piece of property back, does it have water? Does it have access to power? And is it within a drive, a a gas tank away from so they can have that for their kind of a bug out spot just because they think it's coming to that. We looked at Jasper County, Justin, um, Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. How far is that from Dallas, Fort Worth? It's kind of East of Houston. Yeah, that's about, that's about three hours from us. Uh, for me, I'm in Burleson, so you kind of cut across the the back way down there. But it's it's about three hours for me. Well, I'll be talking to you guys later offline about that. But we're really close to getting about six different lots um, that we're going to be buying at like fifteen twenty cents on the dollar. And it's my first. We just started going into this county recently, and um, we just sent neutral letters, and we got a bunch of them back saying, "Yeah, we'll take an offer." My sons sent the offers at like twenty cents on the dollar. And we got some accepted and they're pretty good. In fact, one of them, there's six of them and they're all definitely road access because there's a road that kind of goes in it and, and the land is all around it. Yeah, it's a great time to sell. And and the things that we've been just dabbling in it. I mean, maybe we'll do a couple deals every couple months, but just we've seen the same thing in the last six months. The calls, and the volume of these people, of people trying to buy the land that we're selling is, is off the hooks. It's going crazy. Yeah, we have seen uh, deals in 44 states since we've started this. And right now we're closing a deal about every six days, sell, seven days on the sales side. So nice. I mean, it's constantly just churning. What was taking 100 days, money into money out. Now we're seeing it on the market for less than a week. And then it's now it's the title companies that are the bottleneck yeah. from both sides, like getting the abstracts done or the title reports, because the title plants in these rural communities can't handle the volume that they're seeing right now. Yeah. Okay. So um you guys have been doing land for about five or six years, right? Mm-hmm. Why land? Why not houses? Why did you guys choose land? I, I think both of us have done houses prior to. So it was land was neat because the entry level, the barrier to entry is so low. Um, you know, we have a book out, Coffee Money Real Estate, and it talks about buying property for 50 bucks on the, uh, for, for a piece of property for 50 bucks. So to think about somebody that 
just doesn't have a lot of money to get started and become a real estate investor, which means I buy a piece of real estate and sell it for more than I paid for it, right? At the end of the day, that's the simplicity of it. But seeing that, you know, Adam talked about his first couple of deals he bought for 250 bucks and he sold them, would you sold them for a thousand dollars a piece? Yeah. So you buy three of those and you know, you, you, that doubles a lot of people's salary real fast. And so as a side hustle or a, you know, a, a way to get your feet wet in doing deals, it's the barrier entry is so low and the risk is not as much as it is with a house. Like, is there termites? Is there a foundation problem I'm missing? Is there a tenant that I can't get out? And that's why they're dumping the house to me. So you can do this virtually with less risk and, and, and talk about the systems that I mean, we have in place that help us with that. Very yeah. cool. And what's that book called, Adam? Uh, that book's called Coffee Money Real Estate. And can people buy it on Amazon or do you have a they website? Can, yeah. or, or Coffee Money REI. Yeah, they can buy com. it at coffeemoneyrei.com as well. How much do you sell it for? Is it? I think that book's nine ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, on Amazon, it's nineteen ninety nine. So if you go to the website, it's nine ninety nine there. Co- I'm sorry, coffeemoney.com? Coffeemoneyrei.com. Yeah, okay. And the idea behind it is how to buy a piece of real estate with using the money you spend at Starbucks every day. It reminds me, I was just thinking about this. The There was an internet marketing class um, that was really, really popular. I don't remember, 10 years ago called Coffee Shop Millionaire. Do you remember that? Have you ever I don't. Heard of it? No, that actually kind of sounds familiar. Coffee Shop Millionaire. I wonder if it's even still available. The huh. guy who did it um, did very, very well. He was one of the first guys to do that kind of internet marketing and, and teach it on a big scale. Anyway, so what does your business look like now? And you, you both have separate businesses, right? Yeah. Yeah. So our land businesses are separate. It's so for, for me, it's kind of a, the three prong. We have the education that we do together, the media company that we have together, which podcast and, you know, that, but I also have um, my land business, which it specializes in what we call the bass boat property. That's stuff that's sub 50, $60,000 market value. It's not all we deal in, but that's the, pr- the, the primary piece of our business. Our average, if we talk about numbers all in, our average deal is buy for 15, sell for $32,000, $33,000. It's average about 20 acres. So this is that recreational piece of property that, you know, any, I say 80% of our workers, either white collar, or blue collar can, can afford because it's kind of like a Harley Davidson, a, a bass boat, a recreational vehicle. They can go there on the weekend, come back to work around the, the lunch table and talk about, hey, I spent the weekend at my cabin property or I, I went out and hunted on my property and they get to kind of have that chest puffed up and they're, they're boasting about it. It's not something they need, but they can sell it to their wife as an investment and they can enjoy it too. I love that. Let me ask you some more about that. So a lot of guys, when they start, they will target the quarter acre lots. Mm-hmm. And I've done a couple of those and it's such a hassle. Like mm-hmm. You can make good money m- with it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking the coffee money book, but it's 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 more work. It is. And uh, when you have some capital, then you can invest in the bigger lots. Do you find like there's less competition maybe for the, the 20 acre lots? There, It, it kind of goes with, if you, if you look at all the different education courses, you've interviewed a ton of guys that have been land investors. Like I'll call them gurus, if you will. Sure, yeah. And they all have their own methodology and the reasoning behind it. We have found that the bass boat property sells quicker you can sell it for cash, but you can also offer terms. So you yeah. have two exit strategies. And then you mentioned needing the capital. My third part of my business is Plum Investment Group, which is a capital funding group for raw land. So we we joint venture with people that don't necessarily have the capital for a 20 acre purchase. You know, they're, they may not have the six to $10,000 and we put up the money and we split the profits with them. And so they don't have interest payments. They don't have anything like that. So that allows us to make that barrier entry lower to get somebody in a better quality asset. Perfect. And like you mentioned, these quarter acre lots, they're really easy to get into. You can buy them for 50, 100, 250 bucks, right? That's where I started with. Yeah. Two and a half acres I paid 250 bucks for. I really wanted to be that guy who had 100, 200, 300 of these things that were cash flowing every month, but it is hard work, just like you said. And then you start making a little bit of money and you can move into these bigger deals. It's just easier. 
right? Yeah. You Someone's doing the mail for you. The title companies are closing it. Realtors are selling and it goes back to a title company on the closing side. All you're doing is like keeping it in order. You're managing that project. So really, Adam, are, are you also focusing on the larger lots then? No. Now I am. Yeah. 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 Now I am. I mean, I'd say this all the time. Like I don't have that desire to do a hundred or 200 anymore. I have a dollar amount that I want to make each year. If I can do that on one deal, I'll do it. If I can do it on 10 deals, I'll do it. I mean, it's my business has transitioned tenfold since we began, since the beginning. Yeah, Very if you cool. listen to our early shows, we used to butt heads about the cash flow. Like, oh, I want to do these all these payments and have all this stuff. And then we did a couple hundred acre deals where we bought them for fifty or sixty thousand bucks, and then sold one of them. I think it was one hundred and eighty thousand. The other one sold for a hundred and like ten grand. Mm-hmm. So when you do that once, and it was the same amount of mail, it was the you just put up a little bit of money up front, and I think we le- we leveraged those. Mm-hmm. So our cash outlay on that deal, on those two deals alone was probably, it was $6,000 on a marketing material and 4,000 on leverage. On, oh, on, on interest. On yeah. Interest. I, yeah. I actually did the taxes on that day. It was 3650 in interest to, yeah. to make over 200,000 on two oh, deals. Folks. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that for us is why the bigger deals seem, you know, you hit these good singles and doubles and then you get one like that, there's this tease up for you and you're ready for it and you just knock it down. So I wanted to ask you about how you're finding these deals. Cause I know a lot of people are listening to this, maybe have no idea. And this is interesting. This is new to them. Why, how do you find these sellers that are willing to sell their properties at such big discounts? Well, I mean, like our main, it's the, you know, we're doing blind offer campaigns, right? Yeah. So blind offers. Being, you're sending a letter with just a yep. straight up blind offer. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Targeting these bass boat properties. I mean, their counties are two to three hours outside of the major city. They're we're looking for pricing consistency counties where the market value of the land is roughly a thousand, two thousand bucks an acre. Uh, we're looking for very rural populations. We're looking for good attributes, like maybe there's mountains or oceans or what, or uh, lakes or something like that. And then we pull the county data, or we run the comps up front. We run pull the county data, and then everyone gets an offer. That offer is typically thirty five percent or low of market value, and then we wait and see who calls. Who's so excited to sell to us that they just call mm-hmm. us? And we take it from there. Adam, you were talking before about. When you're dealing with the higher properties now, you can use title companies mm-hmm. and you can use realtors to sell your properties, right? Is there a certain price point or an acreage that you it makes more sense to self-close, close it yourself without a title company, sell it yourself without a realtor? Where's that yeah, at? Well, I think it has to do with how much equity you have in the deal, right? Okay. If you're spending a thousand, you're going to sell it for three thousand. You don't want to close with a title. Like right. If you're buying it for a thousand, you're going to sell it for fifteen thousand. That's more than enough room to hire a title company to do it. Now, hiring a realtor, I think it's a different story. When you're first working in a new county, there's a, definitely a level. And I think that we've probably seen thirty, thirty-five, forty thousand dollars that level when you're working with a new agent. Because if you go below that, it's like a fifteen thousand dollar property. By the time a realtor charges six percent or ten percent, whatever, they pay their broker, they pay their marketing fees, they pay all the fees. They're not gonna make any money. So we have realtors who will take those lower lease listings from us, but we've built a relationship up front. By the time you hit that thirty-five, forty thousand dollar market value. If they get both sides or just one side, they're still going to pocket $1,500, $2,000. It'll be worth their time at that point. But I feel you got to make that connection first. Are the commissions for land similar to houses about 5 or 6%? Yeah, it's 6, six to 10. There's a six couple states you see 10s, typically the, the standard form, but for the most part, it's 6%. And they give three to the buying agent. So on a $40,000 lot that you're selling, that would be about $2,400 to... Yeah, a lot of these land, these land. So we we want to work with land specific brokers, right? Yeah, yeah. The ones you see that are like a, they're specialized in houses. They always get it wrong. That's why they sit forever. But these land brokers, you know, they show up looking like they just came out of the woods. They've got yeah. mud boots and all that. Well, they've got a client list a mile long, and yeah. so a lot of the times they'll get both ends of it. So they'll get the full six percent or ten percent, and yeah. that makes it worthwhile for them. Yeah, we now, had a, we actually model, had a land broker in in Oklahoma 
where I think that she won highest land producer and volume for land deals because I think we we did I think I've done twenty deals with her personally and then any of the recommendation from people that came to our live event and nice. and uh, worked with her as well and she wears like the camo hat and her boots and she carries a gun on, a, her, like a gun on her hip while she's in the mountains. And she's like, and her voicemail tells you, I may be in the mountains. I'll call you when I get back down. That's and that's what her specialty is. That's what she does. But she has 10 people on her phone at any time that are looking for a 10 to a 40 acre property in that County. And she calls and says, Hey, I got this 40. It's coming in. Y'all ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I've had to, slow her down because I'll have her go walk a deal for me and she'll take a client with her. And I'm like, Hey, 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 it's not under contract yet. And she's like, well, they're making an offer right now, Justin. And I'm like, are these, are these realtors okay with marketing a property that you haven't bought yet? You have under contract. (laughs) Well, She's just walking it to check it. it. She just does it. She's like, Oh yeah, I got a client with me tomorrow. I'm going to walk it tomorrow with them and I'll sell it for you. She'll have it sold and done before you ever get the listing agreement finished. You know, it's like a kind of an afterthought for her, but yeah, that's awesome. Well, there's uh, there's probably a little more flexibility with land, I would think. Yeah. So, do you ever do that? Do you ever double close on a land deal that you you're buying at the same time you're selling it? I don't. I take everything into into inventory. So I actually put the cash up and then resell it. Now I've I've done some assignment deals, uh, but I I don't do double closes. Now it's not something that's uncommon. I just I don't do that. It wouldn't be done intentionally. Like if someone happens to see it and knows it's for sale, and it just happens to work out, but that's not the exit strategy for us. Yeah. Okay. So um, about over the thirty five forty thousand dollar mark, you will hire a realtor and a title company to kind of help you with that, just because they've got good buyers already. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I want to clarify that though because I don't want people to say, well, Justin and Adam said forty five thousand dollars. Like I've got three properties listed with an agent that's sub 20, they're 19.9, but I guarantee her a thousand dollar commission. So your commission's guaranteed a thousand bucks because I don't want to take the calls. In yeah. I can't grow my business if I'm answering sales call. Does it have power? Well, the picture has a power line in it. Yes, it exactly. has power. Yeah. Is how's the access? Well, it's on a road you see on the map. So there are instances like that where we will make those adjustments and do that. Yeah. By the way, your audio sounds really, really good. I, I brought my microphone a little closer, so my audio might sound as good as yours. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I like that idea a lot because we've kind of sold all of our properties in-house mm-hmm. and taking those calls can be laborious. But when you can get a realtor who can actually go to the property, and if the realtor can't get to the property, guess what? Well, maybe it's not a piece of land you should buy. Exactly um, right. That's the nail on the head right there. And one of the tricks that we we talk about in our course, but we we also, you know, we're, we shared, we give you a little nugget there. When you're going and checking your comps on these websites and you're looking at these solds and the listed and you see that agent's name at the bottom and they put up a great ad and they have great copy, that's the person you call when you start to work in New County. You don't have to go to these REI meetups and things like that. You can just yeah. look at the product that they have as an, an unsolicited way to say, hey, this person really knows their crap. Let's let's work with them and, and let's get them on board and make them our team in that county or that state. Because the next question I ask them is, what counties do you work? And they say they work if they're in Tarrant County and they say, well, I work Tarrant, Johnson and this. Now I've got an agent that it's solid, I have a reputation with in three counties. I can work all three of those counties and I have boots on the ground. I have teams ready to go. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Do you, when sometimes like the model that we've done is we'll buy it at 20, 25 cents on the dollar, sell it for cash typically is all that we've done, except for one deal we sold on terms, but we would typically sell it at maybe 60, 70 cents on the dollar. We want to be the cheapest property when somebody sorts low to high, right? We want to, at that size, we want to be the cheapest. Will realtors still let you 
Well, do they still list one of your properties when you're pricing it that low and aggressive to sell? Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't had somebody tell me no on a price. I've had them give me their opinion and say, hey, like I, I'm listing one right now in Arkansas. I thought it was going to sell at 7580 and I assume that's what it was going to be. I sent it to the broker and he's like, hey, man, I'm going to list it at 995. Are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, go ahead and get your feedback for the next two weeks because the market's hot. We will know instantly what that's going to do. If it's not, I said, get an offer and always tell the agent that comes out that, hey, we want an offer and let's look at it. So why I don't necessarily want to agree that I want to be the cheapest when somebody sorts because because somebody doesn't sort and say, hey, I want 20 to 20 acres. They're going to sort, I want 20 to 40 acres. So unless they're really good with the sort function and they say price per acre and I'm going to sort it by that, then they're going to miss your property or you're going to you're going to leave money on the table. I see. Yeah, and I ever use selling on these basketball properties that we are specializing in. It's not the price that they're buying on, right? It's at that point, it's very much the pictures, the ad. Like mm-hmm. most of, we always put listings right at, if not just a tiny bit below market value, sometimes a little higher than I feel like it probably should be worth. And we get it because we we do quality photos and we'll hire a drone person. We'll make video. We put an awesome or we spend time making sure the copy's good. We're, we have this motto of like be everywhere. So we're not just putting it one place and we're spreading this thing all over the place looking for that right person that makes us price. We don't want to rely on, is it just cheaper? Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm going to add on to that because one of the things that we do as a teammate with our agent, because again, you're looking for somebody to be your resource there. We'll run sponsored ads using their links through Facebook and we'll target major metropolitan areas that the two to three hours from that major metropolitan area, we target market that. So their link is getting blasted right around their biggest buyer pool. They don't even know what's going on and they're getting hammered with calls. and like, dude, we, we don't know what's going on with the market. Pl- property's blowing up. Mm-hmm. We know why it's doing it. We're not taking the calls. We just put the 50 bucks behind it, drive it to them. They're answering the calls and the emails and they say, we've never seen anything like this. You need to turn that off. And we've had that happen multiple times. That's fascinating. So you're running Google ads. I mean, sorry, Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. Are you having any problems? I've heard people having problems with Facebook marketplace. No, it's not Facebook marketplace. We're running it through sponsored ads, sponsored ads, like a boosted post. And we use their link. So if it's lands of America dash uh, listing one, two, three, four, we copy and paste that in the picture of the property pops up. It says lands of America. When the person clicks on it, it has all of our agents information, not ours. It's just ran off our company page. Same with Craigslist wow. too. Well, I've got a you know, we got a guy that does. He'll do ten ads a day, and we always put the realtor's information and not ours. And so yeah, yeah. our our agents no no shortage of leads coming in their way. Yeah. And so the you're doing Facebook do ads for your land. Yeah, and the I've never heard of anybody doing that. How many clicks we're getting on the spend? So if we we viewed ten thousand people looked at it. Typically, it's about a 10% click if the ad's built right. Like it's like, hey, your wooded retreat in Southeast Oklahoma. And then we hit Tulsa and Oklahoma City and Dallas. And so we'll put sponsored ads in those. And then we'll usually cover a 50 mile radius around the property as well. So it's kind of like a virtual neighbor letter. And there now you have 10,000 people look at it, 1,000 people click on it. They will typically get 100 calls off that. Holy smokes. Uh, do you guys teach that in your course? Yeah, we have. I think we have that in the marketing. Piece. We talk about Facebook. Yeah, I don't know. If we, I don't know how detailed we go in the sponsored ads part. I think this is, came after. But um, so, so you guys, do you have a do you have a Facebook page where you put you know you put the post in there and then you you sponsor that post? That yeah, that's, it's on our like on my buy, on a sell side that we have. Very good. That's awesome. You don't even need to put your property on a website, then, do you? Or do you? That's part of the be everywhere. Like yeah. we don't want to miss something. Okay. We, you know. So it's kind of, it's, that's kind of one of those things for us that I, I put it on my purse because our, remember our websites are separate. I put it on mine just because people like to check and see if we buy and actually buy and sell land. So why all of them don't go on there. Um, we do put areas that we talk about where we're working. You know, it's, it's yeah. funny in the investing world, everybody wants to know what the next person's doing. So I never thought it would get to the point where we'd have to split LLCs to where one maybe not doesn't have my name attached to it. It's, 
kind of hidden in the corporate docs because <laughs> people will search your LLCs yeah. to see where you're buying and selling. So it's uh, it's funny that you get to that point, but you know that's a good. I, I want to say it's a good problem when you on a podcast or your media and you're talking about buying and selling land that they can actually see that you're doing it uh, versus you know somebody says, oh yeah, I buy and sell all this land and you can't find them anywhere on the internet yeah. where they've that's sold. It's happened them. to me so many times. It's frustrating because yeah, yeah but I, I'm sending out a letter to absentee owners and they see my name on that letter. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> or or they I, Google I you. It's a normal seller. Yeah. And they Google you and they see that yeah. you're a guy who sells teaching and does podcasts on. Yep. That's right. Yep. Investing in real estate. And they immediately assume you're trying to take advantage of them, but um, yep. I don't even update update my website anymore. I keep the properties that we had on there. I can't see who the traffic is, but I've done zero SEO on my website, and I'm getting a massive amount of traffic. I can only assume ninety percent of people just wondering who is this guy. You know, they're not they're not the buyers for my what for my land. They're people who listen to podcasts or something. You know, so yeah, there's definitely definitely things you've got to uh, keep to yourself. So you're back to your Facebook ads. You're spending what uh, to get. A thousand clicks, fifty bucks, hundred bucks, five to thirty bucks will usually generate that. Holy smokes! If it's targeted right, and a lot of that's low because you're not putting the price in the ad, so they just want to see what the price is. So you know, but it does get people to looking at it, which is driving that lead for them. So your your agent knows something's going on. But if they're getting you know a hundred click, they're getting a hundred emails or phone calls out of that, then you're doing pretty well, and you know you priced it right. Is the realtor doing the premium listings on Landwatch or Lands of America, or are you doing that? Everyone's a little bit different. I keep account. I keep an account that's got 10 uh, slots in it. So if I'm not getting the feedback from the realtor that I want, I'll change the pictures and split test it. So I know what kind of feedback we're getting. And I've had to do that in states where I've got, you know, the agent says, yeah, I can work that county, but it's really not his county to work. And I'll, I'll run a test. And he's like, oh yeah, we're getting all these showings and I'm getting two or three leads a day. And I know that he, maybe he's not responding to them. And so you can kind of do that. I do that to split test, but that's basically what it's for. A lot of times we'll pick the realtor we want to work with. If it's a new spot, buy their listings on lands of America or something. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I've done that before. And so, and a lot of these land specific brokerages will have a brokerage account. Yep. So it's just part of yeah. what comes with it. Right. Have you ever used a realtor to sell a property on terms for you? I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Multiple times. And uh, how does that, do you pay them the regular commissions then? Yep. I mean, I, I don't, I don't like there's, I hate to say this, it newer and it, this is going to sound kind of funny, but newer investors, they look at how to save a penny. If you build a team around you and you've got the resources oh, yeah. in county, and you do what you say you're going to do. If you said, hey, I guarantee you 6%, I offer owner financing. These are my terms and they get it for you. They did their job. So yeah. pay them their money and yeah. it's and pay it quickly. You know, sometimes it goes through title. Sometimes we'll, we'll self-close those. Uh, they just ask for, you know, a summary breakdown of the deal for their brokerage, like a settlement statement. And then I write them a check for the commission. I usually ask them, but you want it to you or do you want it to your brokerage? And I just send them a check and I've never had one balk at me sending them a check. I tell people that all the time. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, the goal is to get enough down payment to cover the commission and oh, yeah. the money back, right? We're taking higher down payments for that stuff. Sure. Of course. All right. So you guys send letters. You pull lists. Do you guys still use that one service? Is it okay if I bring up their name to go get ahead. the data? I don't know who it is. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Priced. I no, love it. Yeah. We're, we're heavily, uh, heavily invested with Priced. We, uh, no, let me just spell it for you guys. It's P-R-Y-C-D. Mm-hmm. dot com p r y c d these guys just specialize on land data they get oh, the no, data from data tree too joe they oh they do them. yeah i forgot so. about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do they uh we uh so me and max we sat next to each other at a live event oh three or four years ago he's one of the co-founders for him one of the guys that had work with me uh, we had work with our show we call him an intern but he actually he was doing an exit program from the military so he worked for one of our companies and then worked for the podcast as well his name is Brian um he hooked us back up together when they got this thing up and going and they had a really good 
I guess the hardware was really good. They just didn't have some of the the dial in of the experience of investing in in percentages and to build the algorithm just 100%. So we helped them dial in the algorithm. We spent 20 hours with them on the back end getting it dialed in. And now it's it's come out really close and they have the ability to scrape from 2 million different comps yeah. and get you pricing. And it's it's really neat to see what they come, they've come up with. And their customer service is second to none. If you're a new investor and you have questions, you just reach out to them and they help you. These guys are really good. I need to get them on my show. Yeah. In yeah. Fact, maybe sure. you can hook me up with them. Definitely can. They're getting their data from DataTree. Mm-hmm. which is one of the best data providers. I think, isn't it the, the, the two big data providers, First American and CoreLogic? Yeah. Is that right? And DataTree is under the First American title. That's correct. Because yeah. I used to get all my data from DataTree directly, super expensive. You know, in some ways it's better than CoreLogic, but it was hard to kind of figure out. But these guys, if you're at all interested in land, and I get nothing from promoting these guys, they just do a real good job. You can get the lists and they will give you the comps and they'll, you can sl- on a sliding scale set what you want to make your offer at. And then, but I keep on getting this pop-up that says I need to refresh my browser. You guys do that as well? <laughs> yeah. I just keep going. I don't even know how to do that. I'm so- <laughs> I, uh, I just ref- I did it right now. I'm at their website. But okay. yeah, cool. You guys should check it out. What are some of your other favorite tools that you guys like to use? Yeah, one of my favorite for for this is I and me and you talked about this on the call was it was just it's a simple tool. It's really cheap. It's uh, 299 a year and it's an overlay on Google. It's parlay. And so when I'm looking at Google Earth in 3D, I can see the the outlines around it. And, you know, you can search by APN if you want, but it allows me to check access really easy, the topography and know where my property sits on that. Now it may shift six feet because it's GIS. It's not perfect, but it gets you a really good idea of what your properties look like. Now that's it. And, you know, one for us is our direct mail is the lifeblood for us. Rocket print and mail. We have had nothing but good stuff from them. And I, I, I would bet to, I'd be willing to bet from us and the people that we've worked with, We've probably sent, what do you think? Five million pieces of mail through them? Six million pieces of mail? <laughs> I, I would guess that seems low, but yeah. Rocket the when it comes to mailing rocket print mail, they they're awesome. Um we haven't found lower pricing and, and better customer service. And the cool thing with them is they're a complete custom print shop. So they can do anything from postcards to neutral letters to blind offers. Or they've even told us they've done ads where they put a bullet in the, in the thing for somebody. It's like, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Use this dental service. <laughs> where they, they, so they can do yeah. complete things like that. So when we, when we built our course, we said, hey, we want tools that you can go out and shop and get your own tools. We're going to tell you what tools we use because we have found the best and the cheapest that are out there. So DataTree, like you said, is one of the best providers out there. Priced gets that data and gets it to our clients cheaper uh, yep. with the lower monthly overhead. Yep. And then, you know, talk about the different tools like that. So what about database CRMs to track and manage the deals? <laughs> we are well, the anti-CRM guy. Oh, you <laughs> are. Oh, yeah. no. We, we, we both. So I ran my previous experience. I was a chief operating officer at a railroad or we call a general manager in a short line world. We ran our business off an Excel workbook. So I'm super comfortable in Excel. Adam's the same way. He, He's got, I never say this right, SQL SQL developer, which is a database guy that's based out of Excel. So we both are real comfortable with that. A lot of people like to have fancy CRMs that do all this stuff, and we just haven't found a need for it yet in in our business. I think it's really easy when you're a new business owner to get caught up in the fact you need all this expensive stuff and that the overhead of creating a new business is what kills you. And so like mm-hmm. CRMs can be great. I think maybe if they have a place in your business and add them in, but I, I hate when I see people drop in two, three, four, five hundred dollars $500 a month on this stuff just to start a business. Like, like it's hard enough to start a business without all this crazy overhead. Mm-hmm. I used to say, you've heard of Podio and I was one of the first guys to start using it in the real estate investing space. Mm-hmm. I started really promoting it and then pretty soon a lot of other guys and it was everywhere. But got to a point where I, I, I had this saying, if you show me a Podio expert, I'll show you a broke wholesaler. 
Because <laughs> that was there were so many people that were really good at podio and had it all built up to do this fancy stuff. And you say, all right, show me your deals tab yeah. or your app for yeah. deals. And it was always empty. It's the same way. People can go overboard. I think it's maybe just an excuse for, to find something to do. It's it's comfort. We are trained to be employees and it's, it becomes a comfort to have this task to check off every day. You know, when at the end of the day, whether it's houses, whatever asset class, multifamily, if you're not looking at deals, you're not in, you're not going to be an investor because you're not going to have deals that you're buying. And so the CRM may keep you organized, but really the lifeblood to being a real estate investor is looking at as many deals as you can and taking the best and trying to get them back to market to make your money or get them into the rental process where you're, you're cash flowing off and whatever your asset is in that uh, medium. Joe. Very good. Let me ask you guys, if you, knowing what you know now about how to do land, you put yourself in a uh, normal nine to five job in a cubic hell, right? I mean, it's just so funny. The other day, well, this is a couple of years ago. Uh, I was looking for maybe re- leasing some office space. I have an office at home. And I had a friend who has some software and I went to his office and he's supposed to have an office that I could rent. Well, really what it was, was a cubicle in the middle of his floor. And uh, I walked to, I walk in there and he shows me and I literally had, I felt like I had to throw up. I had this something in my stomach, like, oh. Like I was going to throw up looking and th- just thinking about working in a cubicle. Yeah. And that en- is enough right there to say, like, I'm never going to go back to that. So put it in context now. Pretend you're back in that cubicle. All mm-hmm. right. You, you maybe know what I'm talking about. And you want to quit your job. And you need to make, I don't know, let's say 10 grand a month to quit your job. Would you, number one, would you do land? Would you do something else to get started making money? Would you go flip Amazon or do Amazon stuff? And then number two, what would be kind of your roadmap to get there as quick as possible? Maybe both of you can answer that. Yeah. Do you want to go first? You want me to? I'll go first. I would say, yeah, I would definitely do land. What I would tell myself if I could go back is go bigger, faster. Like there's this mis or I don't know what's the right word, common misconception that like if you don't have a ton of money, maybe you need to start with the deals that you're spending two fifty, three hundred, five hundred dollars on, and you're selling them for a thousand, two thousand, or whatever, right? But especially when you like join our group, money doesn't necessarily become a concern. If you have what it takes, let's say the guts to to mail more mail at bigger acreage sizes, bigger price ranges, then the money isn't necessarily a problem. I mean, I can't, I don't know how many times Justin has done a deal through Plum with someone who bought for ten thousand, sold for thirty thousand, and then their cut was ten thousand dollars. Right. That's that's what Plum was created for. 100%. And I hope I don't, I'm not about stealing his no, question here. Right. So it's just and when I was first getting started in real estate, too, someone gave me that advice. They're like, it's just as easy, if not easier to go for the bigger deals than it is the smaller ones. I mean, you said it earlier, like selling these quarter acre lots is hard. But when you sell a 50 acre lot for 100,000, 150,000, people just show up and say, yeah, this is perfect. Here you go. Take it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what I would do if I could redo it again. Yeah, if if I were to and I and I've had this conversation countless times with people that have called and set up consulting and said, "Hey, I want to quit my job in a year." And I I've quit and I I've left the workforce and did this. It wasn't in my time. I didn't do it on my own thing, but I was set up like this. Uh, so I would say have a year's worth of living expenses you don't need to buy property with. And that's set aside. So now you know you have a 6 months of running room in case your business you're just horrible at. Because not everybody's a good business owner, but let's have a year set aside that you can you can do that. Now, when you target your properties, you're going to want to be able to hold enough inventory that you can sell with whatever your run rate is. So for me, I try to keep anywhere from two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars in inventory. Now that's gotten up as high as a million. It's gotten as low to where I have fifteen thousand dollars in inventory, and I've got stuff coming into escrow. But there, there's the good average is there. I know what my turn rate is. So. 
you need to understand that versus just saying, hey, I've got 50 grand in a bank. I'm going to quit my job and I'm buying land because you may fall into a time like COVID happened where our mailer count to get a piece of property, it tripled and land was moving so fast that our inventory was just burning through. Now we spent more to get a deal, but we started making more money per deal um, because we were buying better properties, bigger properties, and they, and they were still turning as fast. So you hedge against your risk, put it together and understand that it's going to be a sickening feeling for you. And I hate to be the Debbie Downer here yeah, because it, it is it's tough to say, hey, you look at your kids, you look at your wife and they want to go on vacation and you know you need to buy another 50 acres or 100 acre property with that money. And that's where it's better served than going to Cosmel for the weekend. And you you have to get okay with that. But three years from now, you turn that money three times or four times, you're in a totally different lifestyle. You sit back, you breathe, you can enjoy it. So understand, hey, so I'll, I'll tie it all back together. Understand that you need to have the risk covered and that it's not an overnight thing. It's going to take three to four years to where you get actually okay with not clocking, checking the clock for somebody, you know, and putting it all together. You're going to have to be okay with that. So you're saying it would be three to four years. Yeah. Okay. I know you can do it quicker. I'm saying that three to four years till you're comfortable being on your own. Once you have that year set aside, draw that as your paycheck. So you know that you have a year salary that you have you have running room on. Um, whether if you have that ready to go now, great. Then if you have a line of credit you're buying your property from, I see a lot of people go, oh, I'm going to use my self-directed IRA and they don't necessarily know how to get the money back to pay themselves. So they're they're making their self-directed IRA look really good, but they can't pay their bills. Can't spend because, any of that money. Yeah, they can't dip into that money. So oh, yeah. that, that is my... My thought on it, and you know, I could be, I could be way off base, but I, I would rather not some guy or girl say, "Hey, I quit my job, now I got to feed my family, and my wife doesn't work, and now we're sitting there." Because I've had to have that come to Jesus conversation with myself. I'm looking at two kids, and my wife's not working, and I've lost my job, and I say, "Okay, I've have a year's salary in the bank plus money to buy property plus inventory. Can I make this work?" And that was 2016 or 17, 17, and we've made it work. And the first year, I didn't realize how much stress it was on me. Until until we kind of get to take that breather. Adam, would you agree with that, or are you a little more? Are you not as conservative? I think it kind of depends. I mean, I'm definitely. There's. I think people have definitely said I'm more conservative than Justin. Like <laughs> I, I track every dollar, but it also I need far less to live. I'm a single guy. I could take a, a much. I don't have kids, right? I, besides my dog, uh, I could take a bigger risk without needing that, right? But it's definitely a comfort level. Three years, I, we've definitely, definitely seen people build a big business and leave their jobs much quicker than that, right? Yeah. But it's, we're very hard against saying, no, you're not going to make six figures in your first three months, four months. It's just, this isn't a get rich quick overnight type of thing. Your first year is definitely going to be a learning experience. Now, you may make a lot of money. We had uh, a mm-hmm. fireman come out and make a killing off of his first yeah, mailer, right? He made a... Yeah, he made six hundred and something thousand dollars off his first mailer. Ended up doing seven figures his second year too. And he had money to back though, because it's compounding. So he had yeah. backing behind it. But those results aren't normal. That's what we tell you at the the live event. Hell yeah, you know, we had a guy here who made he made a million, one point five million off this one deal he did last year. And everybody's like, oh, I'm gonna make one point five million. Yeah. So, so you sure do it. What's yeah. that? I was going to say, you can do it. You can leave your job quick. You can make a ton of money. But when we look at averages, right, your first year is a learning year. You're going to make money. You're going to keep learning. Your second year, you're getting better. Third, by your third year, okay, you've got this on lock. You can get ninja on a county and go just mail these certain points and, or parts of the county and buy these. You you know exactly what your inventory needs to be. You know what how long it's going to take to sell things. I mean, you're just dialed in. So if you were starting and wanting to quit your job, would you be focusing on creating notes, selling properties on terms, owner financing, or would you be just trying to flip them for cash, get faster cash reserve? You know, 
I'm going to say a solid mix. Yeah. Yeah. You need to build up enough cash flow to cover your business expenses, to cover some life expenses, but you also have to do those large cash flips that give you like the big income to come in. Right. I mean, because it does it take a long time to build up a hundred notes that are, if they're, especially if they're paying a hundred bucks, 120 bucks a month. Right. Cause then yeah. you still have more money to buy land with. Yeah. We, my, my average since uh, we started and, I, and I'm going to clarify something real quick, Joe, on when I went on my own, I had been, my first mailer had just went out. And then I ended up on my own in my business. So when I say that I'm really conservative, I, I get nervous for people. I, I do that coming out of experience of knowing I didn't know as much as I needed to know. I thought I knew more than I did. And so I was forced to make it work in at times. So I, I want to be more conservative because I don't want somebody to have the same panic attacks that I was having. But the uh, the note business on our side, it's an exit strategy at all times. But the way we set up the notes for uh, in my business is 20%. 20% of my sales go to notes, but they are 25 to 30% down. Remember, we're buying for 25 to 30% on a, a 30 cents on a dollar. Our money's back out and it goes back to work. Then we've generated our income for up to 10 to 12 years at yep. a certain interest rate. And so we've created cash flow for a long time. And I think right now I'm right around 50 notes that are paying every month and they will for the next nine. They got about nine. What's, years what's your average monthly payment on those notes? Uh, just over $250, like 250, anywhere from 250. My highest one's $700. Nice. So they kind of range in there. Good, good. Um, we're getting some questions from people here. I want to bring them up. Uh, da, 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 da. This is a question from Helena. I'd like to know how much it costs to survey the land and how do you determine which lots are buildable and awareness of wetlands. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of three so, questions in there. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. You know, the, the surveys vary in the different locations and when the last time they actually were surveyed. So the most I've ever spent on a survey is $9,000 on a ranch I bought in Virginia. It was 208 acres, very mountainous. Pens hadn't been done. There was a lot of uh, zigzag parts in it. The cheapest I paid is 495 bucks for a lot to have it surveyed. You don't have to survey every lot though. You buy no. That's, that's yeah. what I was going to say is that you, I mean, surveys aren't uh, something that we always deal with. Once you no. get these ni higher, nicer ones and someone's getting a loan for them. Yeah, for sure. But it's not like every deal has a survey. Yeah, so no, and that's probably about twenty percent of the deals have surveys done. Uh, you right. will do. You will like when he said they get a loan for it, and the quality properties we're selling these bass boat can get loans against, so they will ask for it. And typically, what we've done, we've done deals together where we've just said, "Hey, give us fifteen hundred. We'll give you fifteen hundred dollars credit towards your survey. If it's cheaper than that, we pay cheaper. We pay all of it. If it's more, then you pay that the difference. And that hasn't been a problem. Um, um, the wetland question, the wetland yeah. checker. Uh, you can look up FEMA has wetland checkers, and you just put in the lat longitude. And you can check there and see about the wetlands. Cool. And then I think there's a part about buildable. buildable yeah. Yeah. Nine. I mean, a huge percent of this stuff, no one's building a dream home on. Yeah. You know, it's rural, it's recreational stuff. At the most, they're putting a cabin on it. I got a guy who dug a 20 foot hole in the ground and covered it with sticks and hay. He lives there. I mean, so that's the type of building that goes on here. It's not your 3,000, 4,000 square foot, you know, stone brick dream home. You know, that reminds me of a question a lot of people I think have is if you're, and I've had this where you're, you're selling a property on terms and it's a contract for deed or a land contract. So that buyer will get the deed after they fulfill the terms, right? Are you concerned with them, you know, violating all kinds of codes and, and getting in trouble with the county if, and then you're now the one responsible because yeah. you own the land. Does that make sense? We have that, that they're signing. They won't do that inside of our land contracts. So in the event that it happens, you, you do have a little bit of risk there. And you kind of vet the person when you're talking to them, what they're trying to do. They're like, oh, yeah, I want to live out here. I'm going to move in my RV and want a homestead. Those people you kind of have to watch. But on the flip side of that, I've had people that said, hey, we know we can't build on it. Call me three months later and say, hey, I'm going to build my house on here now. What do I need to do? Okay. I just turn it into a mortgage. And, and yeah. call a title company, have it put in their name, or you know, you move it to a deed of trust and have that recorded with the county. 
Okay. The question from uh, Keen, maybe? Adam, what's your click-through rate on your Facebook ads? Do you know that? I'd be lying if I told you any kind of number. Yeah, ty- typically, for every, it's for 10,000 views, we're going to have 1,000 people actually click on the link to look at it. And it's all dependent upon the wording. So if I leave, for me, if I leave the 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 price out and like the location, I just put like a general area. If it's somebody in Tulsa and I put Southeast Oklahoma, or if I put it's in Dallas and I say, hey, just outside of uh, Dallas, they're going to click to look to get that exact location. So it comes a little bit higher. But, uh, you know, the idea is we want to drive people to that traffic and they see the brand or they see the type of land we're selling. Quick question here from Stuart. What's the full name of the Plum site again? So yeah, Plum, Plum Investment with a B, right? Plum And How do you spell Plum? P-L-U-M. Like oh, the no B. Yep. P. Okay. Yeah, my last name is pronounced Sleva. It means plum and span and Czech. So Czech, yeah, Czechoslovakian. Is that where you're from? Your family? No. No. My my grandparents <laughs> on my mom's side are. I have my mom's maiden name. I, I I've lived in the in the in the Czech Republic before oh, for did a you? long time. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. So they they say I guess the term they use for us there are bohunks because we're from the Bohemian Valley in the uh, north of Prague. All right, a question from Ingo, I believe. How much commissions are you paying the agents? Most agents here in Georgia ask for 10%. It's going to vary 6% on, I would say is a strong number, but 5 to 10%. A lot of times when you see, at least in my, our experience, when you see an agent who's saying they want 10%, it's because the list price is fairly low, $30,000, dollars $50,000. They'll have a border or they'll have a, a uh, line that when you cross that price-wise, it'll go down to 6%. And if you find someone who's like, I'm only taking 10%, on your hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollar property, well, unless they're the only agent in town, you've got options. Yeah. And so just go find someone else. Yeah, six to ten percent is a fair range. And there's a few states that do require that. South Carolina is ten percent. Uh, Colorado's ten percent standard. Arizona typically they kind of range, but you'll see a lot of ten percent there. But like Texas, six percent. And on houses, we have uh, agents that do like one and a half percent on the those one and a half percent for the sale, but give three percent on a buy. So just kind of depends on the relationship you have. How do you structure deals with realtors? I, te- I assume it's just like houses. They give you a listing agreement and you, mm-hmm. you pay them the commission, right? Exactly. Right. Yep. All right. Here's another question. Is there a way to quickly value a land parcel similar to Zestimate for houses? Yeah, there is. Uh, one of the cool things about CoStar and how big they are and all the data they can put together. If you look at Lands of America and you put in a county, you can say, okay, hey, I'm looking for a 20 to 40 acre property. And you can actually get on the map version and zoom in and find your parcel yeah. and start working back. Me and Joe, we did this on the the, yeah. seven, the six or the seven properties you're talking about in Jasper County, where you can actually see real listings sold and under contract right around your property. And so you know what that market's doing right there. And it gives you a good feel. And you're like With houses, you have fits and finishes on the inside, they're going to change the value a little bit. We're on land. If it's got the same type of topography and trees, same type of access, then doesn't have any of the improvements, it's all going to be relatively similar in pricing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Landsofamerica.com. It's a great website. You can search for properties, filter them down to general size, location, go to the map, switch it from a list to a map, and you can really see some good comps there and sold comps. Yep. Very cool. And there, but there's not a site that estimates the value of land like Zestimate does for houses, which we don't even, I don't even right. know if it's working anymore now. They're yeah, making changes. Does. They have the ability now with the geotagging. They can tell you what's going around it. They have that, but you know, you're, you're pulling data to do that versus just looking at the free site lands of America. So priced is getting real close to being almost to this estimate format for land. Cool. So how can guys get a hold of you? What's the best way? Our website, Facebook, Instagram, everything is Casual Fridays REI. The podcast, Casual Fridays REI. Yeah, every, everything Casual Fridays REI. 
Casual Friday REI or Casual Fridays. Fridays S? Fridays with an S. Yep. All right. I'm putting a banner here. Let's see if this is correct. That's Ooh, it. That yep. looks good, doesn't it? Yeah. It does look good. good. <laughs> Casual Fridays REI.com. You can find them on podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you guys have a favorite podcast app, by the way? We, iTunes, really, for Apple. Yeah. Wherever they can hear us. It's my yeah, favorite just, one. <laughs> just listen. All right. Are you guys on YouTube? Do you have stuff out there? We do. Yep. Cool. And more coming. A lot more coming. Instagram. Instagram at, at Casual Fridays REI. Uh, nice. We have our personal accounts there as well. So you can see that we're real people and we actually live lives that aren't just modeled shots and things like that. And if people want to get information about your course, your p- coaching, your programs, they can get it there at casualfridaysrei.com, right? Yes, sir. Yep. All right. Justin, Adam, good to meet you guys and look forward to working with you guys soon. I got one more question here. Oh, yeah. Somebody's asking for the spelling of the price, P-R-Y-C-D. That's correct. P-R-Y-C-D. So you can get, get, you can get more information um, about Casual Fridays, the podcast at casualfridaysrei.com. Uh, thank you, Justin and Adam. Don't go anywhere. I got a question for you. We appreciate all you guys very much. Thanks for listening in and uh, have a good one. See you guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Joe.